Hey, thanks so much for stopping by the Roar Church Podcast. This is Pastor Anthony. We're believing that today's gonna be a great day. Let's jump in today's message. I am so excited about this weekend. We, we've been in this series um, entitled House Fire. You know, week one, uh, I got to speak with my father about a Pentecost Sunday and, and just had a good, healthy conversation, really. I wouldn't say it was much of a preaching as much as it was a teaching. And then week two, are you a Martha or are you a Mary? Uh, there's a difference between being busy for God and resting in God, busy being under Satan's yoke, rest, resting in Satan's temptation. And then uh, week three, we had the conversation how every household, normally things that are taught uh, happens around the dinner table, happens in the family room, happens in the living room. And today we conclude this series. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm so excited about this on, on Father's Day. And just let me take a moment right there and just say to all of our fathers watching, uh, happy Father's Day. We love you. I know this day means a lot to me. I'm a father of three. And it's one of the greatest privileges that we can have is not just being uh, leaders, of, of, of men, but being uh, godly Christian men that are leading our families and leading our, our children. And so uh, I want to wish you guys a happy Father's Day. But today I want us to pick up our Bible and I want us to go to Joel chapter 3. And what I'm going to start off here is more of a, um, just a charge to you. And more of a, a prophecy, a declaration, even though it's from Joel chapter three, but I feel like it's going to lay the context of where we're going and what's getting ready to be done and said here on this Father's Day. Um, and, and, and if you came for this cute, let me stir you up message, guess what? You stepped into the right house because we're about to stir you up. Some of your knees are gonna get tight. Some of you are gonna feel a little awkward. You might feel like you're on pins and needles, like, man, pastor's really coming at me today. And it's not that I'm coming at you as much as I'm trying to grow you. More than ever, our nation needs men leading the house. More than ever, our nation needs fathers becoming fathers. And not only fathers to their own children, we need some fathers that would become fathers to the fatherless. Just because we don't share blood doesn't mean we can't father people. You know, one of the greatest privileges that I love about even in what we do, there are people that we have spoken into over our ministry over the last 15 years that they may not be my son by natural, but they are my sons and daughters by the spiritual realm. They have given us access to speak into them, to correct them, and it's one of the greatest privileges. And, and what I'm so thankful for is that our church is becoming that. We're not here just to, to condemn people. We're not here just to, to, uh, to be rude to people, but we're here to be fathers and mothers to a generation that's rising up. And more than ever, our people need somebody that they can trust. Our people need somebody that they can look to because there's so much chaos going on now as much as there was when my parents were growing up. And, you know, I think every... Every 10 years, you know, there's always this, man, it was crazy. You know, those days were worse than my days. This day was worse than this. And can I just tell you, it, it keeps getting worse and worse. I, I remember having conversations with my mom and dad. You know, you never struggled with the things that I'm struggling with. And now my children are doing the same thing, saying it to me. You don't deal with the things that we are dealing with. And, and I'm completely right. I do not deal with the things that they are dealing with. However, there is a godly wisdom that I have learned in a principle of being in this book about uh, being 
having a healthy worship life, that I am able to speak into their uh, craziness and, and give some direction and give some purpose. You know, there was a, a thing that I was uh, just kind of looking around for some stuff on Father's Day and trying to work on a graphic. Did I want to change it up? Did I not want to change it up? And I found this picture and it says, just like dad, candy cigarettes. Hey dad, can I bum a smoke? Look at that picture right there. And I think that picture tells the story of where we're going today. Hey dad, just like you. Hey dad, can I bum a smoke off of you? Truth of the matter is, friends, is our sons and our daughters are watching men, are watching the fathers on how you are leading your life. And there's nothing more that a son wants to do than to please his father. And can I just take it a step further and say, there is nothing more that a son wants to do than to be like his father. I heard it from my boys uh, yesterday morning. We got up and Ashton said, Dad, you know, I wanted to be like you. But now I want to be a basketball player. And I said, okay, no, can your dad not hoop no more or something? Oh, yeah, 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 but I want to be like you like that. But I, you know, there was this, I didn't want to be, I wanted to be in the ministry for sure. And I still do, but I just, I have a passion for basketball right now. And I said, that's okay. And Liam screams out in the back. Yeah, but dad, I want to be like you. I want to be a pastor. Our children long to be like their fathers. I know I longed to be like my father. And in Joel chapter three, in, in, in verse nine, it says it like this. Proclaim this among the nations. Prepare for war. Wake up the mighty men. Can I just tell somebody right there? Wake up mighty men. Wake up men. It's time for you to come alive with the power of Jesus Christ. And then it goes on to say, let all the men of war draw near and let them come up. I want to pause right there and I want to pray. Father, I thank you that today is a day that every man will be challenged. Every believer will be challenged. And just as it ends, let them come up. God, I pray that they come up out of their graves. I pray that they come out of, of, of where they were even as a father. And I challenge them as fathers to come up to raise a standard in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, amen. I want to read you some statistics that I found out. And it says like this, 90% of the men that say they believe in God there is only 90% of men that say they believe in God. Out of that 90%, five out of six refer to themselves as Christians. Only 35% of men go to church on a regular basis with their wives. This means that only one out of five women have a husband that goes to church with them on any Sunday. I, I, I want to let me let me just say this again. 90% of men say they believe in God. Five out of six of them refer to themselves as Christians, but it's only 35% of them that go to church on a regular basis with their wives, with their families. Among millennials, the number is even much lower. It goes on in the study, it said 27% of our young people are attending a weekly service. 
The reason why our young people are not attending the services higher than that percentage is because we don't have enough mothers and fathers that are making it a mandate for their household to go to church. I remember this thing my dad used to say, son, you ain't got to go to, you, you ain't got a choice to go to church. As long as you live in my house, you abide by my rules. And if you in my house, your butt's going to church. It, it, it was law and order for us. And even though there were many times during that season that I would go kicking and screaming. Can I just tell you now, 15, 16, 17, 18, 20 years later, because I'm getting old, all these gray hairs. I am thankful for that foundation that my parents forced me at times to go to church because now where I'm at in life, I long to be in his presence all the time. There was a study that was just released over these past couple weeks from a place called Barna, which is an organization that, that traces stats and records. And it records like this, 40% of regular churchgoers were watching online services at the beginning of COVID-19. There's a slide that I want to throw up and it, it says 40% streamed my regular church online. 23% streamed a different church online. Sheesh. And 48% just said, nah, we don't need to do this. They had better things to do. And unfortunately, I read another number that said, even off of that, less than 50%, it dropped by another 50%. We came into COVID-19. Church numbers explode online, but the regular attenders that makes church happen dropped to, to, to 40%. And over that 40% has now dropped another 50% of that. It's essential that fathers begin to lead their homes in the way that God has called us to lead. Ephesians 5, 23 and 24 says it like this. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. His body of which he is the savior now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. The issue is not the harvest, friends. The issue is, is we need some fathers in our nation. We need some fathers in our families. And we need some fathers in the home that will get how the home is supposed to be ran. Matthew 9, 37, and it says like this. Then he said to the disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. We want our children to change. We tried to send them to every uh, psychologist. We tried to send them to every person in therapy. But men, can we just take them to church? Can we just make them go to church? Can we get consistency in a prayer life? Can we get consistency in a worship life? Can we get consistency in being some godly men that are following Jesus Christ? Because I can guarantee you, if some men would raise the standard today and they would allow their children to see them 
worshiping and they would allow them to see them uh, uh, shouting for God and they would allow themselves to be seen studying the word of God. I can guarantee you that the children that they're raising all of a sudden would change because they would be intrigued. My dad is starting to do this. My dad is starting to do that. Why? Because children want to be like their father's. And God is calling for some men to lead their homes. And I'm sounding the alarm for some men that God is looking for just a few good men today. There is a massive disconnect in the Christian faith where men struggle to be the leader of their household. Where men struggle to be what God has called us to be. And God has called us to be the priest of our home. God has called us to be the leader of our home. God is calling you to be the worshiper of your home. If the only time uh, uh, Billy Joe and, and, and Tommy and, and Julie and, and Candace ever hear mom and dad shouting is only when the NBA is on or when, uh, when it's uh, uh, CNN is saying something and they disagree. If the only time that they hear you shouting, can I just tell you something? You are molding them in the wrong direction. They need to see mom and dad standing up and giving God some praise. They need to see mom and dad standing up and worshiping at the foot of the cross. They need to see mom and dad broken before God and crying out in desperation saying, Jesus, we need you. God, we need you more than ever. Come on, church. I wish somebody would shout hallelujah today. God is looking for men to become priests of their own home and to get the home in order starts with the man. In the Christian church, we are literally the only religion that has more ladies than we have men attending our churches. Even for our church, Roar Church, I bet it's 70-30. We have more women even right now watching via Facebook or on YouTube more women are more intrigued to be in the presence of Jesus Christ than men are. Men, can I just tell you, it's time to sound the alarm over your life. It's time to sound the alarm over our households. You want to know what's wrong with our nation? It's not a race issue. It's a kingdom issue. We need some godly men to take a hold and become fathers again. God is looking for a few good men. Muslims, Hindu, the Buddhist religion, all of them, men lead the way. In all these other forms of religion, it is the man that takes the stand and makes a way for their family. But it's in the Christian faith. Hear me, church. I'm not coming at you. I'm in this fight because I'm here to make a change in our nation. Because what we want to see is a bunch of people following Christ. If we can get the kingdom of God in some of our, our, our next generation's uh, hearts and in their souls, they will understand that slavery is broken. They will understand that the only way we can fight this thing is not by violence, but it's by the heart of God, by prayer. I said this last week. Protests will change Washington. Keep protesting. Conversations will help change communities. But there is only one thing that will change people, and that is prayer inside the home. Until the home gets filled with the heart of heaven, people will not be filled with the heart of heaven.
Men, it's time to rise up. It's time to lead your homes. It's time to, to help lead this faith. You know, there's a march that's getting ready to happen called, uh, with, uh, they're called Luther, or Luciferians. That's getting ready to happen this Sunday in Ventura County, in LA, all across this nation. We got a protest that's going on, which is great. You've heard me a million times. We are all behind that. We need change. But we have another group that's trying to come in and disguise themselves under this march and under this protest that we need a, a one world government and we need a one form of religion. What we need is some godly men. What we need is some dads to, to look at their sons and daughters in the face and with love and say, baby, you wrong. And if you don't change, you're going to split hell wide open. The greatest thing that I can do for my sons and for my daughter is lead them to eternal life, to show them the way to heaven. It's scary. It's alarming. But we must realize that this is the plan of the enemy. We're not just fighting something in the natural. We are fighting what is going on in the spiritual realm. This is happening between darkness and light. And there is a massive gap between confessing something and being something. We've got so many people, you know, I, just as I wrote those, read those numbers. Yeah, 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 I confess to be a Christian. But there are no fruits of you being a Christian. If, 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 let, me, let me break it down like this. I love basketball. And if I consider myself a basketball player, then that probably means that I play, correct? And, and that probably means that I practice, right? And that probably means that I'm doing everything that I can do to become a basketball player. Because if I just sit on the side and say, yo, I'm a basketball player, but I've never touched a ball, I've never dribbled. I've never shot. Am I a basketball player or am I a fan of basketball? And unfortunately, we've got too many fathers that you're not a Christian. You're a fan of being a Christian because when you call yourself a Christian, there are things that goes on in the household that you must do. You must be a tither. You must be a sower. You must be a giver. You must be a lover. You must walk in forgiveness. You must walk in the joy of the Lord. All these things are attributes of what makes you a Christian. It's not the person that walks around and speaks in tongues and doing all that. Because we know in Corinthians it says, you can do all that stuff, but if you don't have love in your heart, you ain't nothing but a sound of clanging noise to Jesus Christ. What Jesus needs is some loving fathers. What Jesus needs is some joyful fathers. Can somebody shout amen today? God is calling for you to stop playing games. I want you to write this down. You can be in something, but never wet. What are you? You can be in water, but never wet. What are you?
a reflection. Peter walked with Jesus, saw Jesus moving in miracles, saw all these great things, but Peter oftentimes didn't reflect the kingdom of God the way he should have. Rather than being a responder to, to God's goodness, Peter was oftentimes a reactor. He was very quick to pull the trigger on things. He was very quick to cut off somebody's ear. Come on, somebody. That ain't a responder. That's somebody that acts in the moment. He was also somebody that dealt with a little bit of racism back in his time between Jews and Gentiles. He was a Christian. He saw it. But he didn't always act like it. Our mouths confess one thing but our actions can speak another. And my question to you today is, are the actions that you're portraying lining up with the words that you're confessing? The kingdom of heaven is calling for not just some good men, he's calling for some godly men. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. In Jesus's ministry, Jesus was a magnet towards men. It was an absolute magnet towards men. Yet we struggle in our churches every Sunday with men filling up our churches. We struggle every time there's a prayer meeting, men coming in to pray. You see the whole house filled with ladies. Ladies are quick to, to, to shout down the house to pray. But men, where are you at? Jesus was so much about the men that, that when he had meetings, ladies, I'm not trying to be rude, but he didn't even count you. He didn't count you because it wasn't that you weren't important because I, speak, I spoke the Mother's Day message a couple of weeks ago that said not, not only were you wanted, but you were needed. And what's needed now in this season for our churches and what's needed right now for our nation is men to step up to the plate and to begin to lead their homes. God is calling some of you men, stop being a boy and become a man and lead the home the way that God has intended you to lead. Stop playing games and start moving in the realm that God has called us to move. It wasn't that, that Jesus didn't think that you guys were important. He knew you were important. But you have a different role than what a man. In Genesis says, we are to be co-heirs. It wasn't that man was over woman. It wasn't woman over man. It was co-heirs. But in being co-heirs, that means I have different responsibilities in which my wife carries. And my responsibility as the man inside this household is to lead a godly house. To show my children what it means to be a man of God. And what we're seeing in our nation is only a result and a fruit of there's not enough men of God anymore. On two different accounts, it was mentioned like this. In Matthew 14, 21, it says, now those who had eaten were about 5,000 men beside women and children. In Matthew 15, 38, it declared like this, Jesus does again and performs another miracle. The number of those who ate 4,000 were men. 
Why was this? Jesus knew if I could get the men, then I would get the family. Jesus knew if I could get the man connected, then I would get the house connected. Jesus knew if I could get the man to go somewhere, then the family was sure to follow. There is a war against good and evil over fathers. More than ever, we need fathers. Kill the man, kill the seed. Kill the seed and you kill the future. I want to say that again. Kill the man and you kill the seed. Kill the seed and you kill the future. Life can't happen unless the seed is planted. Healthy families can't grow correctly if the man is not in existence. Your sons and daughters need you, Father. There's a generation that doesn't even have a, a, a father that needs you, that is longing for guidance. Jesus said, I'm going to go and pick 12 men and take over the world. 12 men that were jacked up. 12 men that were low-level people. Guys that just weren't normal. They were, they were businessmen. They were, they were owners. They were fishermen, carpenters, tax collectors, ordinary, everyday gents. Men that were not qualified. Men that were, were completely messed up. Men who, who straight up stank and worked hard. In some regards, they kind of smell, they smell like B.O. and Fritos to me. Yeah, anybody ever been around somebody that you're like, Frito? Ooh, ooh, that, that got some stank on them. But Jesus used those people. And Jesus is calling to use you today. He's trying to pull you out of your stinking thinking. He's trying to pull, pull you out of your stinking way of life. And he's trying to change your heart, not by condemning you, but loving the hell out of you. And what, what our nation needs more now than ever is to not meet hate with hate. But in the words of Dr. Martin Luther King, only love can do that. Only love is what can change our nation. But we just don't need love like we're going to love everybody. We need godly love. We need that Holy Spirit love. It didn't matter if you were dirty. It didn't matter if you were unclean. It didn't matter if you, if you were a sinner. Jesus was calling to these messed up ones. These guys that were oftentimes like high tension, high testosterones, always looking for a fight. In fact, it said it like this in Galatians 2.11. It says, now when Peter, and we're coming back to Peter again. Now when Peter had came to Antioch, I withstood, hope, withstood him to his face because he was to be blamed. Or excuse me, it said, no, not now. No, when Peter had came to Antioch, I withstood, I withstood him to his face because he was to be blamed. And I love how the, the contemporary English version says it like this. It says, when Peter came to Antioch, I told him face to face he was wrong. Can you imagine he told him face to face because he was wrong? Listen, fam, don't get it twisted. The disciples were some OGs. They were some real dudes. These weren't just punks. These were real men of God. Men 
who had to learn to become who Jesus was because Jesus was calling them to, 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 to navigate into new waters. Jesus was drawing them into a new place. These men came in one way, but after encounter, after encounter, after encounter would quickly find themselves changing. It wasn't always a miraculous change. In fact, some of the disciples didn't truly come who they were completely until after Jesus had died. Even while walking with Jesus, they still questioned, is that still the Messiah? So if they did it, don't you think you're probably going to do it too? And it's okay to question. But don't allow your heart to become hardened. Don't allow your heart to become so uh, pushed away that, man, Jesus isn't real. Because there is one thing that is for real, and that's Jesus Christ. Every day they grew in their faith. Men are going to argue. Men are going to fight. Men are going to slip up and say things that they probably wish they would have never said. Can you imagine going to church next week? Uh, or, well, I wish we were going to church next week, but could you imagine me preaching and all of a sudden somebody hollering out, hey, pastor, that's wrong, and me having to confront that, that fool? Come on now. Jesus said, I need some real men. I need some real men. I need some real leaders. He was trying to find some real ones that would follow him. Kind of like some of you single folk trying to find the real ones. You, don't, don't play games. You know what I'm talking about. I need a real one, Pastor Anthony. Hey, Pastor Anthony, listen. I just need a real girl. Like, I need a real one. And unfortunately, all you real ones have attracted the real ones. And you got one that was full of sin, one that was, that's looking at other people, looking at photos on IG. Come on, don't make me preach like I, know, I don't know what I'm talking about. Sliding in people's DMs when she ain't looking. You, 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 you prayed for a real one, you got a real one. What you need is a godly one. What you need is a godly wife, not a real one. Matthew 12, 35 says, a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him. And the evil brings evil things out of him stored up in him. If you're looking for a real one, one that's full of the world, don't be surprised when he cheats on you. Don't be surprised when he beats on you. Don't be surprised when he does all these other things that you don't feel lines up with who I thought this man was supposed to be. That's why it's so important that you date and find godly men, not just real ones. It's why it's important for, for men to, 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 to find the right godly woman. Proverbs 18.22 says, he who finds a good wife finds a happy life. Come on, somebody. No, it doesn't read like that, but it, that's how I feel. But it says, he who finds a good wife finds what is good and receives favor from the Lord. You want to know why he receives favor from the Lord? You want to know why it's good? 
because he ain't got to deal with no stress. He ain't got to worry about no arguments all the time. He ain't got to worry about you tricking around. That's right. I, I said it. Pastor Anthony said, tricking around. Come on, look at your, your, look at your wife and say, girl, no, Brittany, where you at? Girl, you better not be tricking. <laughs> oh, shoot, I'm messing somebody up right now. Some religious people watching you like, I can't believe he just said trick. Is, does Pastor Anthony know what I mean? Does he know what I mean? Does he, does he know what that word means? Yeah, send me an email at idontcare.com, and I'm pretty sure the person will get back to you as soon as possible, as soon as he gets it. Or you can just email Lewis, Lewis at roarchurch.com. And he'll, he'll take a gander at it, laugh at it, and probably send it to me and tell me thank you for making his job hectic. But the ones that were following Jesus were not just real ones. They were godly ones. They were open to the change. They were open to being more like him. They wanted to change. And God and Jesus knew once the disciples would encounter him, Jesus knew once the, the, these, these guys would see these miracles, they would testify and, and come to reason with themselves that, man, this guy's different. This is somebody that I need to follow because there's just something different about him. Man, can I just tell you, there's just something different about Jesus Christ that you need to follow him, that we need to lead like him, that we need to move in love like him, that we need to move in forgiveness like him. They thought they would just be fishers of men, but Jesus turned them into literally fishers of men. Apostle Paul, who was first known as Saul, thought he would be builders of tents, a tent maker, a killer of Christians, but one encounter, somebody say one, one encounter with Jesus and he changes his name from Saul to Paul to be a pillar, a, a, a building block in spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus delights himself on flipping the script on people. I was speaking to a young man yesterday in the gym. And he said, Pastor Anthony, how do I, how do I get past making my mistakes? How do I get past all these things? I've never had a mother. I never really had a father. My, my family is nothing but a, but, but, a, but, a, but, a, but a bunch of gangbangers. I said, you just need to encounter Jesus. There's nothing more that God will do than use the foolish things to shame the wise. And I told that young man, you, you may see chaos, but God sees purpose. You may, you may see death, but God sees a valley of dry bones that maybe he's getting ready to blow on. And I just begin to tell that young man, listen, God wants to use you. God wants to use him to be the turning point in his family that allows the change to happen. God wants to use you, mother, he wants to use you, Father, to be that pivotal person that breaks generational curses inside the family. He wants to use what everybody said, there's no way this person will be used by God. He wants to use you. If he can do it for me, listen, he can do it for you. I was more jacked up than just about everybody, and I've done just about everything that you can do other than drugs. This today has to become a prodigal son moment. Yeah. 
prodigal son had everything, living in the king's mansion. Didn't have to really work, didn't have to do anything. Finds himself later on working in a pig pen. And scripture tells us that he had to have a come to himself meeting in order to go back to the king's house. He finally was working around the pigs and said, why am, why am I living like this when I could live how I was living before? You need to have a prodigal son moment today and have that conversation with yourself to change your life around, to change your house around. God wants to pull you closer. He's looking to draw you in. Everything that's going on, it's not a setback, but it was a setup. But God is looking for some men across our nation. He's looking for some godly men. He's looking for a few good men. It's so important that we understand this, that, that everybody that, who has ears to hear will hear what the Spirit of God is saying in this moment. Not only does God need you, but for, for all you fathers in the room, you, your, your family needs you. Your children need you. Your wife needs you. Your son's sons need you. Your son's son's sons need you. You could be the thing that changes the generational curse that you've been dealing with. You could be the one that starts a new legacy. And I pray that legacy starts today by you accepting the call to become a father. Not just a father in the natural to your children, but a father in the spiritual realm. They need to see you as a prayer warrior. They need to see you as a worshiper. They need to see you studying this word. Because every child wants to what? Be like their father. They don't need to see you a nervous wreck. They don't need to see you weak. They don't need to see you as a warrior. They don't need to see you uh, in, in anger, always hot-tempered. They need to see you as a roaring lion in the spirit, passionate and on fire for God. Even in Jesus, Jesus is picking his disciples. He took time to decide who was in his inner circle. Too often we allow everyone who should be uh, uh, to, to have an intimate touch when they should be at an arm's reach. It matters who's around you. It matters who your friends are. It matters what your circle is. You have to refine who, are you, who you're willing to dine with. Figure out uh, who is around you that is drowning you. 
If they're not giving you life, maybe you need to push them away a little bit. I said it last week in the conversation. Maybe you're surrounding yourself with the wrong people that got the wrong views. And sometimes those views happen because of what is taking place inside the house. Maybe there's some family members that you might have to just say, hey, I love you, but I can't have you around my children in this next season. Because you believe things that are not part of the kingdom of heaven. Some of us have, have begun to put a period where God is desired to put a comma. And he's calling us as a church. He's calling us as men and as women to a higher standard, a higher standard of righteousness, a higher standard of integrity, a higher standard of a, way, a new way of thinking, of doing things better than the previous season. The old things must die in order for the new to come. It's time for a new wineskin to be poured out. I'm thankful that I grew up and not just in a good home, but in a godly home. And one of the greatest things that I learned from my father at a young age is what it meant to be, uh, what it meant to be a follower of Christ, not what it meant to be a pastor. I get so tired. Yeah, but it's easy for you, Pastor Anthony. You're a pastor. We, we try to use these all these names to, to trump everything. If you're an apostle or you're a prophet and all this stuff, none of that matters, fam. None of that matters. What matters is you having actions that portray the words that you're saying. I am a Christ follower. I am a father. One of my favorite things that I loved from my, from my dad is I remember when we were driving to our church many times, we, lived, we drove about 45 minutes one way, an hour one way. And I remember in conversations, and I, I can't even remember how it would always come about, but I was eight, nine, 10. And, and I can remember saying, Dad, what if, you know, what, at the end of, what if at the end of the day, if you die and all this is not even real? You know, this is these moments where I, we would be going to church and he's forcing me to go and I'm trying to get my way out of it and I'm, and I'm trying to talk all this nonsense around him because I, that's what kids do. Dad, why are we going to church? What if, what if you died, Dad, and none of this is even real? And there was one comment that has always stayed with me my whole life. And my dad would, would respond real quick. He said, son, if I die and I find out that none of this was real, I have yet to regret one single thing. Powerful words. And then he would put, it wasn't a period there, it was a comma, because he would go on to say, because I was faithful to your mom, I was faithful to you boys, and I was faithful to something that I believed in. My question to you are, are you faithful to your spouse? Are you faithful to your children? Are you faithful to the thing that you believe in? Because it's just not enough to confess it. We've got to allow our actions to speak higher. He's calling us church to, to, to raise the standard of righteousness. He's calling us church to raise the standard of integrity. There has to be a new standard. There is a new day coming. My dad was a good man. My dad is a great man. 
But my dad, more than any of that, is a godly man. And because he was a godly man, I wanted to follow in his footsteps. We come from a line on my dad's side, preachers out of preachers out of preachers out of preachers out of preachers. Man, I'm thank, I thank God for my heritage. I thank God for my heritage. Moms, dads, will your children be able to be thankful for where they came from? Because it matters. It matters. There was a message that I read, or that I was listening to 20 plus years ago from Bishop Eddie Long. And Bishop uh, was speaking at his church at New Birth in Atlanta. And he was, he was speaking about a snake line. And there was a, this thing called the snake line that's about 6,000 feet above sea level. And when you get above 6,000 feet, the air gets a little thinner, but it also makes it where snakes cannot come up. And can I just tell some of y'all, You've been living below the snake line. You've been living where darkness has access to you. You've been living where there, it's okay to, to bend the rules. Nobody's going to see me do this. I can get away with it. It's time to live above the snake line. Sin has a harder time biting you when lights are on. Sin has a harder time biting you when, when there's daylight in the room. Some of us just need to turn the light on. Some of us just need to get into the light and start living above 6,000 feet rather than dealing with these things in the natural. God is calling for us to, to come up to a new level. Come up out of our, our, our old way of thinking and come rest in his finished perfect work get away from that old lifestyle get away from the thing that's holding you down get away from the thing that's causing you pain get away from the thing that's stealing your joy Some of you have surrounded yourself with the people that enjoy you being in prison because they themselves are in prison. Hate loves company. Get away from it. The old saying is hurt people hurt people. And the Lord's desire is is to make you new again. And the Lord's desire is for some of you fathers is to reignite a fire that has been lit inside of you. Some of you started on, on this course so excited to be in the pursuit of Jesus, 
but the fire has went out and the coal is still sitting there. And I'm here to prophesy a breath of fresh air on you because when the breath from heaven breathes on the coal, it turns back into a fire again. I feel that right now. I feel like God is prophesying to our nation again. <sighs> Allow the breath of heaven to come. <sighs> Allow the breath of heaven to come to breathe on the coals again. It's time for revival fire to be birthed again. It's time for revival fire to take place, not in the church house, but in our house. It's time. That's why it's so important for you to get into our roar groups. Roar groups is, is not just the place where you find God. It's the place where you find accountability. You can't have growth in your discipleship. You can't have growth in your walk if you're not accountable to people. You cannot have growth in your walk if all you ever do is go from one church to 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 one church. Because if, God forbid, if somebody starts to learn you for who you are, and then it's time to go over here. Let me, let me act like everything's great. And then people start to realize who you are. Let me move over to this place. Where there's accountability, there is growth. You want to see your children change? Be accountable to them. That picture that I showed at the beginning. Dad, you smoke, so I want to smoke. Can I just tell you, Dad, if you'll learn to worship, he'll worship. If you learn to read your Bible, he'll read his Bible. If you learn to be a tither, guess what? That next generation will understand the importance of being a tither and the importance of being a giver. I hope you're enjoying this as much as I am right now. Come on. 1 Corinthians 16, in verse 13 and 14, it says, Be watchful, stand firm in faith, act like men, and be strong. Ooh. Can I just, let me read that again. Be watchful, stand firm in faith, act like men, be strong. Let all that you do, or all that you do, be done in love. So if you're taking notes today, what are six traits that make you a good, godly man? One, be watchful. Be a, watchful, be a watchman over your home. Be an existent father. Be an existent mother. Be an existent Christian. Pay attention to your wife. Pay attention to your children. Guard what comes into your family. In the Old Testament, there's a man named Eli, or Eli, excuse me. In 2 Samuel 2 and 12, and it says, the sons of Eli were worthless men because they did not know the Lord. In chapter three, uh, the, or, yeah, in chapter three in verses 13, it tells us why. Because Eli would not restrain them. Restrain, he didn't teach them. Fathers, you've got to teach your children what it means to be a Christian. It's not, hey, I'm a, I'm a Christian, but on Sunday, I'm just going to sit here. and Y'all go to church. Y'all go do that. That's for you. Yo, yo Pastor Ann, that, ain't, that just ain't my thing. That, that just ain't my thing. It needs to become your thing. 
We have to resist evil. We have to become watchmen. Number two, stand firm. Stand firm in your faith. Stand firm on the word of God. Get into the scripture. Don't allow this thing to be something that, you know, how many times I'll walk into houses, you know, pastor's coming, pastor's coming. Put the Bible out. And how many times I'll walk by the Bible and I'll do this. That lets me know, you want to know why I do this if I ever come to your house. Because if there's dust on it, that lets me know you ain't in it. Come on now. Everybody in here is laughing. You can't stand firm in or on something that you do not know. First Peter 5, 9 says, but resist him firm in your faith. Who's him? The enemy. Knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. Who is him? Satan, the devil. In a time where the world says that's religious or that's religion, we don't need all that. We don't need all this, Pastor Anthony. It's, it's, it's okay for me just to be a good person. Good people don't go to heaven. Godly people go to heaven. Christians, people that have accepted the call. Good works don't mean anything. Keep the will of living above the snake line and get this into your children so they can get it into their children. Number three, act like a man. Let me say that again. Number three, act like a man. Men, act like men. Not little boys. Boys want their mommy. Boys need their mommy. Men, can I just tell you, your wife is not your mommy. She is your wife. She now comes first before your mommy. Men, be a man. There's bills to pay. Stop laying on the couch and get up and go get yourself a job. You're the leader of your home. Men have to lead their home. And I'm not even talking about men trying to be women lately. Like That's a whole other conversation for a whole other topic for a whole other day. But men, act like men. You're called to lead your home. You're called to lead your children. 1 Corinthians 13, 11 says, when I was a child, I spoke as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a what? A man. I put away childish things. When I became a man, I put away childish things. Stop being a child and be a man. Be a man full of the spirit. Be a man full of prayer. Be a man full of responsibility. Be a man willing to, to lead himself as well as your children. Be a man that, that's, that, that it's okay to, to show your children brokenness before Christ. Let them see you leading your home. Let them see that your number one priority 
is Jesus Christ. You can only be young once, but you can be immature for a lifetime. Let me say that again. You can only be young once, but you can be immature for a lifetime because age has nothing to do with maturity, but has everything to, of knowing who God is in you. Look at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Number four, be strong, be a protector. Ephesians 6.10 says, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Be concerned, be a lion, be strong and courageous. Move in power, move in authority, be a strong vessel. A lion doesn't always have to roar to show his strength. The greatest thing that a lion can do is just stand up. When a lion stands up, you know, yo, that's a bad man. Some of you need to stand up in your Christian walk around the people that you're around. Be strong, be confident. Being strong doesn't mean being a jerk. Being strong doesn't mean you're rude. Being strong means being confident in the Holy Spirit, means being set apart. I don't strong arm people to Jesus Christ. I don't force people to Jesus Christ. We lead people to Jesus Christ. I don't force my family. I lead my family because the way I'm leading myself and because the way my father led me. Being strong means to also be a peacemaker. To stand up for what's right. To stand up for when things are wrong. To be full of compassion and understanding. You're a lion on one hand, but then you're the lamb of God on the other. Strong enough to kill, but strong enough to be gentle. Strong enough to be lordly, but strong enough to be lowly. Strong enough to be king, but strong enough to still serve. Number five, do it all in love. The reason why I lead myself like this and I lead my family and the reason why I'm so passionate about this message is because I'm madly in love with the greatest father of them all, Jesus Christ. It was his love that came in and changed me. And I understand the importance of my children and this lineage that's coming up behind me that the only Christ that they'll see is the Christ that's living in me. And oftentimes what makes it hard for somebody to cry out to daddy and to be, uh, you know, even emotionally connected is because they never had a father that was emotionally connected. So my job as a father is I have to be, 
how I, how Jesus is not only to me, but how I want them to understand that Jesus is for them. Jesus is their protector. I protect them. Jesus is my strong tower. And, and, and it's a place that I can go for, go to for comfort. My children can come to me as a righteous man. They can come to me as their protector. They can come to me as their comforter. Do it for the love. As a, as a basketball junkie, one of the things that I constantly tell Ash and Liam, Dad, we need, we need to be at the Mamba facility. We need this trainer. We need that trainer. I say, son, do it for the love of the game. You ain't doing it because of the prettiness. You're doing it because you love the game. You love to pick up the ball. You love to practice. You love to shoot hoops. I'm not doing it for the accolades. Being a Christian, I'm not doing this for, to, to get me somewhere. I'm doing this because I'm in love with God. I'm in love with Jesus. I'm in love with his presence. And because I'm in love with his presence, I do things just as a basketball player does in practice. I read this book. I worship. I pray. Let all we do be, di be done in love. I want to end with this story. There was a story that I was reading in, in second, uh, or excuse me, in Genesis. And it's a story between a man named Jacob and Rachel. Rachel was giving birth to her second child and the Bible. It says that she went into the final stages of life. She was getting ready to die. Gripping for breath in her final moments of pain and agony, the baby is born. The, the nurse wife asks uh, Rachel, what do you want the child's name to be? And in the midst of her pain, in the midst of her struggle, she had enough strength to speak up and said, out of her pain, his name will be Benoni, which meant son of my sorrows. Story goes on that Rachel, after that, takes her last breath. Her next breath would be her last breath. And can I just tell somebody, let me take a pause right there. Be careful of the things you say in the moments of arguments. Be careful of the things that you say in the midst of pain. Because of what she was feeling, she spoke a destiny over her child that had nothing to do with the pain that she was in. And so she afflicted this newborn child, this innocent child, with the thing that she was going through. Son of my sorrows. After hearing the news, Jacob, who was the boy's father, walks over to the nurse and basically says, you said his name is what? Uh, no, 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 fam. He's not a son of my sorrows. We, we ain't going down that road. There's not a chance that's going to happen. My son will not be named son of my sorrows just because the struggle and the pain that she was in. 
but my son shall be named Benjamin, son of my strength, son of my right hand, son of my power. Ooh, come on. Just because Jacob, his father, was attentive to what was going on. I believe completely that he changed the course of Benoni's life to become Benjamin. Because if you know anything about Benjamin, Benjamin it was a warrior. He was very skilled in battle. He represented one of the, tr- the 12 tribes of Juba, uh, Judah. Excuse me. And in fact, it was said like this. He was a ravenous wolf. In the morning, he, he devoured his prey. In the evening, he divided with plunder. Because of this, there was a lineage of great men of God that followed from, from Benjamin, Saul, Queen Esther, Apostle Paul, Prophet Jeremiah. We must be fathers that will rise up and look at our children and begin to speak new destinies over them. We must be fathers that will look and, at our children and say, hey, the world may, may label you as a whore. The world may label you as a failure, but God says that you are more than enough. God says that you are perfect in his spirit. And God says that you are perfect in his image. You know, I wanted to come to you live one more time and just tell you that we've got to raise the standard, men. It's time to live above this snake line. It's time to look at our children and and be like Jacob and, and prophesy their destiny over them rather than what the world is trying to label them as. And what I want us to do before we close today is if you're with your family, I want you to, to stand up, gather in a circle, And I'm asking some dads, some fathers, some men in this house, a few good men to begin to lay their hands on their wife, on their children. And I want you to begin to prophesy to their destiny. I felt like the Lord said as we were getting ready to prepare for this message that men, fathers in particular, needed to prophesy over their house, over their children and just reestablish God's good, faithful works over them. And so I want to give you a moment and begin to pray over them. Father, we thank you for every person. I thank you for every child that's watching. God, I thank you for my children. I thank you for Liam, who we call our lion thank you that you have made him a lion in the spirit that he is a mighty warrior for you father I thank you for Ashton who you have given this incredibly sensitive heart for not just for your kingdom but for your people father I thank you that he will be a leader of leaders father I thank you for Bailey she is not forgotten Father I thank you for the heart that you have given her many many years ago to love people 
to want to take care of people. Father, I, I speak to all three of their destinies that they will be mighty, mighty, mighty children and men and women for your kingdom. I speak to every child. You are world changers right now. You are history makers. You are demon chasers. And if you live your life completely open to the will of Jesus Christ, I can promise you, he will take you farther than your dreams for yourself than you could ever imagine. He'll take you places you never thought you could go. Not by your works, but just by surrendering to the power of Jesus Christ. I am who I am, and I'm been, I've been able to be blessed to, to, to cut records in Israel and, and do all these crazy things that I thought there was no way this kid from a small country town in Eaton, Ohio would ever have an opportunity to. But because I've lived my life completely surrendered to the call of Jesus Christ. It's not always been easy. A lot of rough times. A lot of crazy times. But our heart has stayed completely open for you to move. And God, I pray for every father that their heart right now would be completely open to you to move on their heart. If they don't know how to be a father. Father, I pray that you show them what it means to be a father. Come and comfort them themselves. Come and love on them themselves. Tear down the heart that's full of pride. Tear down the heart that's filled with grief and shame because it wasn't done to them. They don't know. They don't understand. I pray for every mother on this day. For those moms that have to stand in because the father is nowhere to be found. We honor you today as well. And I declare strength over you. In Jesus' mighty, wonderful name. And everybody said amen. Listen, I want to sing this, just this one last chorus. We said it at the beginning, and it says, Oh, I surrender, I surrender all to you. I give it all. To you, oh, I surrender, I surrender all to you. I give it all. What we're saying is we're giving him everything that's inside of us that's not of him, everything that's inside of us that is of him. It's not ours, it's yours, God. It's yours here in this moment. Our children are not even ours. They're yours. In fact, I feel prophetically in this moment, you need to tell the Lord, these are your children. They're not mine. They're, they're yours. They're yours, God. They're yours. Some of y'all are trying to change things on your own power and your own circumstances, but the Lord says, this battle is mine. This battle is mine. Just give it to the Lord. Give your children to the Lord right now. God, I give Ashton to you. God, I give Liam to you. Lord, I give Bailey to you right now. In Jesus' holy, wonderful, and mighty name, and everybody in the house today said amen. Hey, one more time, I just want to tell you, thank you so much uh, for telling me Happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day to all of our dads out there, to Brittany and our kids. Man, what a gift. 
Uh, I'm sorry I had to cry again like I always do, but uh, man, there is nothing like the love of your children. It's the greatest thing in the world. So we love you guys. I pray that you enjoyed this series, House Fire. And we'll see you next week. God bless you. Hey, thanks so much for joining us today at Roar Church Podcast. We pray that today's message absolutely blessed you. Hey, there's many ways that you can help support this ministry and give to this ministry. And one is by texting the keywords, Roar Give to 77977. Listen, we cannot reach people without your help. And this stuff doesn't happen without the support of many. So we thank you for partnering with us and we'll see you later.